BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Coming up on Marriage Today with Jimmy and Karen. Dreams have a generational influence. And I'm saying to all of us, and you'll hear me say this very graphically in this message, your life is going to have a legacy. Your dream should not die when you die. If you're living your life correctly, you will fulfill God's will for your life, but your dream will have a generational legacy to it. talk about living to fulfill God's dream for your life, but also for that to make a generational difference, for you to leave a legacy. And that's what God wants us to do. We will one way or the other. We will have a, an impact upon future generations. It just depends on whether it's going to be good or bad and what our legacy is. And we're talking about Joseph. And I ask you to turn there to Genesis 50. Now I'm going to read one scripture from Hebrews, and we're going to turn, uh, we're going to read from Genesis. Hebrews eleven twenty two. by faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Genesis 50, verse 22. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, the children of Maker, the son of Manasseh were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now the question is, why in the world at 110 years old, as Joseph is taking his last breath, why would he make his relatives swear that they would carry his bones out? Isn't that kind of morbid? Really kind of morbid, you know? And I want you guys, somebody, somebody swear to me that you'll carry my bones out of this land. In Genesis 15, God was speaking to Abraham. And God was speaking to Abraham in the promised land. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, your relatives, this is your land that you're going to possess for generations. However, a time will come when your descendants will be taken into a foreign country and they'll live there for 400 years under affliction. And so everyone knows that promise. He's now the fourth generation from Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Joseph knows about this promise that was made and he knows that Egypt is that country that they're going to be in for a long time. Now remember, he's been there for 93 years. He lived 17 years in the promised land, and now he's lived 93 years in Egypt. And even though he's lived the vast majority of his life in Egypt, he still considers the promised land to be his home, and he knows that there's a generational dream going on. The generational dream is they're going to return back to their own country. Now I just want to say, 
when Joseph, it says, by faith, Joseph made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Why did it take faith for Joseph to make mention of this? Well, first of all, it was going to be over 300 years later. But secondly, because there was no reason for them to leave at that time. They were the favorite children of Egypt. I mean, Joseph was a rock star. Joseph was Pharaoh's assistant. He ruled the entire nation. And the children of Israel were in Goshen, which was at the Delta, which was the fattest, richest part of Egypt. There was not any reason in the world for them to leave under those circumstances. But he knew based on the promise that God gave Abraham that those circumstances would change. He knew that God had mentioned to Abraham that there was going to be affliction and bondage. And he knew by faith, seeing beyond the circumstances at the moment, he knew that the day would come when they would need to leave. And so by faith, he gave orders concerning his bones. Now, first of all, I want to talk about the significance of, of the story uh, in several ways. First of all, it reveals the generational nature of dreams, that many dreams are generational in nature. They're not just given to us but they affect our children. And I just want to say, you know that most children follow in their parents' footsteps, even in careers. You'll notice one family where medicine or military or, or business or ministry, that the parents go this direction and it creates a wake for the children to follow after, even if it's not a spiritual thing, but especially when it's a spiritual thing. Joseph's dreams didn't just affect him, they affected generations after him. And so this is a generational dream. And there were two main generational dreams of Israel. One was the promised land that has been a generational dream of Israel. And the other one was the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. There are also generational dreams among Christians. We have two generational dreams that have been passed down for a couple of thousand years. One is the return of Jesus. How many of you want Jesus to return? Okay. Every generation since Jesus has dreamed of Jesus returning. That's a generational dream. Another generational dream is the Great Commission. Every generation since Jesus has dreamed of the day when the gospel has been spread all over the world. And so we have, as Christians, generational dreams that have been handed down to us by generations that went before us and something that we need to be very grateful for. But I want to say this, that all of us in the dreams that God gives us, there is a generational nature of those dreams. Now, Acts chapter 2 Peter is quoting Joel, and he says this about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams, even upon my maidservants. This is, this is global. This is universal. When the Holy Spirit comes, God's people who receive the Holy Spirit will begin, the young men will see visions, and the old men dream dreams. Well, why does it say that young men and women see visions? And old men and women dream dreams. Some people believe, and I think it's noteworthy, is some people believe that a vision is what you will do with your life. A dream is something that will take generations to be fulfilled. A young person sees a vision because they have plenty of years left to fulfill what God is showing them. But old people don't have a lot of time left. Now, I'm not dreaming dreams yet because I'm a very young man. <laughs> it will be years before I'm dreaming dreams. I'm joking because... I really do believe that some of the things that God has shown me, it will take generations to be fulfilled uh, if Jesus tarries. But I'm saying that dreams have a generational influence. And I'm saying to all of us, and you'll hear me say this very graphically in this message, your life is going to have a legacy. Your dream should not die when you die. If you're living your life correctly, 
you will fulfill God's will for your life, but your dream will have a generational legacy to it. And that's what I want to talk about. So dreams are generational. Secondly, this story reveals the corporate nature of dreams. You'll never get there by yourself. If you have a dream that isolates you, that dream is from the devil. Or you're taking the dream out of the context that God gave it to you. Dreams put us together with other dreamers. Dreams never disconnect us from other people. To the degree that you're dreaming, you're going to get connected to other people. And I want to say this, and I want to say this very clearly. Sometimes the dream that God gives you is serving another person's dream. You know, some of you, as you're dreaming, maybe what God is not saying to you is go out and do something different. What God is saying to you is connect to a dream that you're already around. And when we get together, it's amazing what we can do when our dreams connect us with other people. The third thing is the practical nature of dreams. It has to be practical. Joseph said, carry my bones. He knew that it was generational. He knew that it was corporate, but he knew that it came down to just everyday planning. If your dream doesn't make a difference in your everyday life, it's a pipe dream. It's not a dream from God. It'll never, it'll never happen. It has to come down to decisions that we make practically in our lives. And it comes down to the hard discussion that Joseph had saying, would somebody carry my bones? Will somebody take up my bones from this place and take them to the promised land? I mean, it's kind of a gruesome conversation, but he understood that there was going to have to be some planning done. Let me talk for just a minute about how to see your dreams fulfilled, what it takes to see your dreams fulfilled. And number one is this, you have to focus on the end result. You have to see the end. That's what a dream is. A dream is when God shows you the end, what success looks like. If you're seeing a vision from God, if you're seeing a dream from God, he doesn't show you the next step. He does show you the next step, but he begins by showing you the end step, the last step. Isaiah 46. Remember the form, former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God, if you're hearing God, he will speak to you about the end of your life. Joseph knew the end is when my bones are resting back in the promised land. He got dreams when he was 17. But the dream wasn't finished until generations after carried his bones back and laid him at rest in the promised land. He saw the end from the beginning. That's what God does. John 16, 13. However, he, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever things he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. That's not talking about some mystic or only for prophets. It's talking about for all of us. He will show you the future. He doesn't want you to wander in darkness. He wants you to know exactly what your life is aiming toward. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Foolish people never think about the end of their lives. Foolish people never think about how many years they have left to live their lives. They don't plan their lives accordingly. Joseph knew that his life was limited and their time in Egypt was limited. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. How do you leave an inheritance to your children's children? On purpose. You never do it by accident. You do it by thinking about future generations in this generation. And there needs to be a Joseph generation that arises, that understands what the end looks like and generations after us look like. And that we get that kind of a vision. 
Here's some questions that I think are important for us to ask ourselves. These are tough questions. It's like talking about your bones and somebody carrying your bones off. Here's some questions that I think are helpful. What will they say at my funeral? Pretty good question. What will they say at my funeral? I've done a lot of funerals. I've sat with a lot of families when they lost loved ones. I'm just telling you there are good funerals and bad funerals. Good funerals are when people die at a ripe old age and they've lived a godly life and you're sitting with the family and you just can't possibly say all the good things about them. As a pastor, I sit and I just kind of have to whittle down the list of all the wonderful things they did into some representative statements to eulogize them with. And the family laughs and cries and laughs and cries as they're telling their stories and there's too many stories that you could ever tell. Those are the good funerals. Here's another question. In one word, what will my legacy be? In one word, if your life is reduced down to one word, what will your legacy be? Here's some choices. Godliness, generosity, family, courage, love. Lots of people die and really their legacy could be just be remembered in one word. Here's some other choices. Pain, selfishness, abuse, materialism, rebellion, corruption, pride, addiction. Many people die, and there's only one word that could describe their life. There are those words right there. Jack the Ripper, Lee Harvey Oswald, Sirhan Sirhan, John Wilkes Booth. You can go right down the list of names through generations, and all their name means is pain, selfishness, rebellion, corruption, unrighteousness. Your, your name will be reduced to one word someday. It really will be. Your legacy will come down to just a very short statement. When your name is said, people will remember just one word or one little phrase. When I die, will I have spent my life for me or invested my life for God and others? Am I spending my life or investing my life? Important. How often do I think about how my life affects others in the next generation? And what am I doing today to make my dream happen and to leave a positive legacy? What am I doing? Those are some important questions. But if your dream is going to come true and if your dream is going to have a positive generational influence, then you have to stop right now and see the end of your life. That's what God, when God shows you the dream, that's what he's showing you, the end. When God shows you this mountaintop over here with a dream on it, your whole life shifts toward that dream. Everything then points toward that dream. And if I'm going to fulfill God's will for my life, and if it's going to have a positive generational influence, I've got to be able to see where I'm going. That's why God gives visions and dreams. So we can see not just where we're going tomorrow, but where my whole life is leading. He does that now, the end from the beginning. That's what he wants to do with your life. Number two thing about dreams, and these won't take very long. Have faith in the dream. It says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Let me just say, by faith, he did that. Well, here are three things that faith does. Number one, faith sees beyond the natural realm. There was nothing in the natural realm that said that Israel would ever leave Egypt. But he spoke by faith, seeing a day when the children of Israel would be under affliction according to the word of God that he gave them and that they would need to leave. 
He saw beyond the natural. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If I could see it, it wouldn't take faith. I have to have faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. If you live with circumstances controlling your life, you'll never get to the dream. You've got to see beyond the natural. Faith speaks. It sees and it speaks. He spoke concerning the dream. You've got to start talking about the dream. You've got to start praying and confessing the dream or it's not going to come true. The third thing is you've got to step. Faith steps. Faith is not a noun, it's a verb. It's, it's action. It, mean, it doesn't mean to believe something. It means to step out based on a belief. And so Joseph just didn't believe in the dream. He talked to his relatives and said, hey, somebody take my bones with you. Somebody take my bones. And so you've got to live your life by faith. You can't be in unbelief. You can't stand back waiting for the dream to happen. You've got to believe in it. You've got to speak it. And you've got to take obedient steps. One step at a time, you get toward the mountaintop. One day at a time, one step at a time, walking by faith and not by sight, we get to the dream. That's what Joseph did. And one more thing, we have to see the future, plan for the end from the beginning, have faith in the dream. And the last is invest your dream in family. Joseph was the ruler of Egypt, but he didn't uh, give orders to the Egyptians concerning his bones. He had thousands of people at his beck and call to do anything that he wanted them to do. But when it came to something that important, he needed family. And there's two kinds of family. There's blood family and there's spirit family. And both are very important. And sometimes blood and spirit family are the same. Your relatives that are also believers, those are blood family that are spirit. But let me say this, you need to invest your life in your children and train your children up properly. It's not the school's responsibility or the church's responsibility to raise your children. It's your responsibility to raise your children. You need blood to carry on your legacy. And they will one way or the other, whether it's pain or godliness, whether it's rebellion or righteousness, your children will carry on your legacy. The Bible says that a Pharaoh arose that didn't know Joseph and he started afflicting his family. See, when Joseph was there and all the people knew Joseph, everything was wonderful. But Joseph knew the day was gonna come when things were gonna turn and he was gonna have to depend on family to carry his bones. And it says that his grandchildren to the third generation were raised on his knee. Raised on his knee meant he was close to those kids and he had imparted his spirit into those children. Joseph wasn't distant from his family. He raised those grandkids and great grandkids right on his knee to the third generation. And he spoke to them and says, now you carry my bones. I can't depend on the Egyptians. If you're planning on business partners or friends who don't know the Lord, carrying on your legacy, you're in for a big disappointment. Blood carries legacy. Family carries legacy. Blood family and spirit family, and hopefully they're the same. Oh, you need to be a dreamer. God had a big dream for you when you're in your mother's womb. Still does. Joseph at 17 had two dreams that changed his life. And at 110 years old, when he died his last breath, he was still dreaming. And he passed it on to the next generation. And they fulfilled the dream. Until one day his bones were resting in the promised land. God has a big dream for you. But it's not just for you, it's for generations to come. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. God has a plan for your life and your dream, this I Am Joseph series. You know, Joseph was not unusual. Uh, He was remarkable. But God has a dream for everyone. And that dream is a magnet to lead you to the destiny that God has for you in life. But you have to put faith in that. And, you know, Hebrews 6, the writer of Hebrews, talks about the elementary foundations of Christianity in Hebrews 6. And the first two are repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And a dead work is anything that God didn't start, any anything that he did not originate. In other words, we did it because it was a good idea. Or we did it because we thought that that was what would work in life. And then faith toward God means I'm believing God for what I used to believe myself for. Now, before I got saved and before people get saved, they go their own way. I mean, you, you choose a major in college based on, you know, either what you want to do or most kind, most of the time, what makes the most money. You, you make choices based on what you think will bring the best result. And honestly, God has no allegiance to those decisions because in many cases they're a dead work. In other words, they didn't begin with God. For your life to change, what you have to do is to go back and say, God, I repent for the decisions that I've made that were not of you. I didn't, I didn't consult you about your plan for my life. I didn't believe that you had a dream for my life. And, and, a, and really when you made me in my mother's womb, that you made me for a purpose. So I've been kind of self-navigating through life. And now I'm coming to you and I'm saying, you made me in my mother's womb. I put faith that you made me in my mother's womb. I put faith that you have a plan for my life. And God, I'm asking you, show me the dream that you have for my life. Or if you know the dream that God has for you, God, I'm trusting you to walk it out. Joseph received the dream when he was 17. It happened when he was 30. There was a journey that he took. And that's part of this series is the journey of Joseph from the beginning to the fulfillment of his dream. I want you to know you serve a big God. And he will fulfill that dream. But it means not trusting in yourself, not doing things the way that everybody else does them, but coming to God, putting your faith in him and saying, God, I am committed to your purpose for my life. Let me let me fulfill the dream that you have for me. I hope that's an encouragement to you. You know, I, I want you also to know that this ministry, Marriage Today, that we go across America and around the world, our passion is to help people succeed in life and marriage, to keep couples together in a, in a thriving marriage, not surviving, but thriving in marriage in keeping little children together with their parents. Sometimes people ask me, you know, how, how do you know when you're being successful in marriage today? You know, what, what are you trying to accomplish in marriage today? Well, obviously we're trying to help people succeed in marriage. That's, that's a big deal. That's a passion that we have, but we want to keep little children together with their parents. There are many thousands of children that we know today are with their parents because of the ministry of marriage today, because of all the marriages that have stayed together and been saved through this ministry. We're asking you, if we've been a blessing to you in your life, we're asking you to stand with us financially. We have a special group of people called our Rock Solid Partners who give monthly 
to the ministry. And every month they get a special resource that nobody else gets. It's called our Dream Marriage Library. It comes to you electronically, your iPhone, your iPad, your computer. You can also get it physically delivered to your home along with notes for a date night or a Bible study and also other special benefits that only come to our monthly partners. It really is the backbone of our ministry are the people, our rock-solid partners. Karen and I are asking you, if we've been a blessing to you, to help us be a blessing to other people across America and around the world. Become a rock-solid partner. Here's how you can do it.